Hello everyone and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast where we rewatch AEW from the start. You join us a couple of months into AEW's TV run near the end of November 2019. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me as always is superstar Pete Andrews. Yeah, here I am, being all superstar-y and that. No relation to Julie Andrews. No, no. We were a good tag team, though. The Andrews, yeah. yeah. We were called um, Mary Poppins the Ring. Mary Poppins the Ring. I thought you were called Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, the wrestlers. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> the sound of clotheslines. Did you come into the ring and someone threw a bag in the ring, zipped it open, and you just climbed out the back? Yes. What an entrance. A load of like foreign objects. I mean, that's how they could have debuted The Blade and the Butcher, but we'll get into that later. Yes. So what we do today, we are looking at Dynamite Episode 9, but before we get into all that, Pete, yeah. without spoilers, have you seen FTR Briscoes yet? Yes, I have. Ooh, exciting. Um, I love the lack of build for that. <laughs> yes. Three days before the match, you have Billy Gunn's kids come on TV and say, oh, by the way, FTR, sorry you just lost the match to the acclaimed, but you've got a match this weekend. Like, what would yes. they have done if, if FTR had just gone, no? <laughs> actually, nah, we're, we're busy. We've booked a, a getaway, actually, for the weekend, so too late. Where, where would they have gone? Like, a nice little spa day? Oh, definitely. They've been putting the work in this year. Um, would they take the wives or just the two of them? No, just the two of them. Just two of them and the tag belts. Brilliant. Because they do go hard all day and night, as their old WWE music used to say. Brilliant. I was trying to remember what their names were in WWE earlier, and I, I can't. They were called The Revival, but their actual wrestling names completely escaped me. I could have looked it up, didn't bother. Um, that's how long that thought lasted. They were called Smash Axum and Brick Later. I'm going to look it up live <laughs> as we speak. Wow, this is technology. What were their names? We're what in the future now. Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson. That was it. Brilliant. The revival. And they were the made-up names. Yeah. I think they're both made-up names. I mean, they're not very dynamic as far as made-up names go. <laughs> yeah. Fine tradition yeah, there you go. of made-up names. But they are yet to debut, so we shall talk about them no more until they do show up. Very true. And we can't put it off any longer. Let's go to Dynamite Episode 9. Where, when, why, New York. Virgil? We are in the US of A, the Hoffman Estates in Illinois at the Sears Centre Arena. And we have got Excalibur and Jim Ross on commentary. Um, at least for a, a bit of it, we do have a little guest appear at the start of the show. But that's where we are. We're there because it's dynamite and they've got a weekly show. And if they didn't put it on, Warner would be upset with them. So interesting open to this show. And I can kind of see why they did it because it would have taken a little bit of time to get the ring set up. The show opens and there's already party and celebration happening in the ring. And uh, Soul Train Jones is there, the artist formerly known as Virgil or Vincent. There, with his little bit of paper that was a bit crumpled up. He could have got a little, nice little looking cue card or something, but he just had like a ripped up piece of A4 that he still couldn't really read properly. Um, but that kind of added to it, obviously, Soul Train Jones, bit of a comedy 
um, tall at this point. Um, not that he was ever a main eventer, but he had a nice little run against DiBiase, didn't he, in his Virgil days. But yeah, he was there with his Soul Train Jones t-shirt on, giving quite the entrance to, to Christopher Jericho. I felt a bit bad for him in this segment because I'm not sure if he's aware that he's the joke. Like it's mm, yeah, it, baby. It, yeah. it is just meme culture at this point, isn't it? It's like, look, you've seen you, you don't know who yes. he is, but you've seen him like sat at a table with no one queuing up for him. Mm. And like you could do that with Daniel Radcliffe if you just take a photo of him early in the day, you know? <laughs> <Before they laughs> True. The in. Like you could easily dock to that. See if I was at a, a convention and Virgil was there, I'd definitely go and get a Virgil autograph. So I guess it's worked, that little, oh, look at him on his own with no, no one coming to see him. I'd go and see you, Virgil. Yeah. So pop over to the UK at some point, and you've got a guaranteed one autograph sale, as long as you're not too expensive. £25, no more. I was actually going to get a cameo of him for your birthday one year, um, <laughs> but I thought he might not stop messaging you after, so... <laughs> yeah, that is a risk, isn't it? Yeah, you never know. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the tatty torn up piece of paper in his pocket, because that didn't seem to help him at all. No, it didn't. <laughs> he did his best, I guess. He wasn't ever known for his promo skill, was he? He was a, a silent foil to uh, DiBiase all those years. Tell you what, though, I absolutely loved him as a kid. Like, that little angle where he finally turned on DiBiase. Oh, yeah. I mean, you only get Amazing. one match out of it, but that was so over. Yeah, Roddy Piper did his level best to uh, commentate Virgil being the superstar, didn't he? And his music was good. It had that sort of funky beat to it. But yeah, wasn't to last, unfortunately, for Virgil. He got a Hasbro figure, though, so there you go. Yeah, so, you Not know, bad, he's doing all right. And you can tell he's from the late 80s, early 90s, because through the whole of this segment where he's introducing Chris Jericho for the Jericho Appreciation segment, he's shouting as loud yes. as he can. <laughs> yeah, you've got a microphone, you don't need to. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. So this isn't a match, this is the Jericho Appreciation segment, and all the Inner Circle come out, and they give Jericho a wild assortment of gifts. Sammy has got a yes. cardboard cut out of the two of them hugging. Yeah. I think there was a misstep in that. I think they should have been wearing exactly the same clothes they were wearing in the ring. Definitely. And yeah, then when they, they played the pose, didn't they? Yeah. 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 It would have it, oh, that was, that was yeah. the gag right there. Mm-hmm. Ortiz and Santana got him some cough medicine and some slippers. Yeah. And Jake Hagar seemed to get the whole thing very confused when they were talking about Jericho <laughs> being the goat last week and actually yep. got Jericho got an, goat. an actual goat. So that was great. What I quite liked about Proud and Powerful's gift, that little basket, the flip-flops, um, the first AWRT's figure came with a blue flip-flop and I couldn't remember why. Um, when I, bought it, I was like, why has he got a flip-flop? And it's from that. So that, that ties that all up nicely in a little bow. So if you want to recreate this segment, you need to buy the Ortiz figure twice. Yes, well, yes. And it's not a cum flip-flop. Uh, the cum is reserved for socks. Go well, back to last week. If you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> go back and listen to our review of Dynamite Episode <laughs> 9 because the cum sock is sadly absent in this episode. <laughs> It is. We'll, we'll keep you posted there. When we see it again, we will definitely bring it up. If you wear a cum sock in flip-flops, I feel it is mm. pretty much a cum flip-flop. Yes, true. Yeah. So, not even 10 minutes in. How many times have we just said cum? Too many. Yeah. But, you know, done now. Probably yeah. won't be the last. Uh, so, we can't fail to mention Chris Jericho's dad, Ted Jericho. Yes. 
<laughs> Ted Jericho, I like it. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not breaking kayfabe. They did. I'm not. So <laughs> Ted Jericho in the ring. Famously, he played with uh, the Rangers, an ice hockey mm-hmm. team in the United States, where he used the um, ice rink name of Ted Irvine. Not his real name, of course. That was to protect his identity. No. Exactly. Yes. Uh, the probably my favourite part of this spot was when the crowd started chanting Jericho can't read. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what if he couldn't and that like triggered him and he's like just ruined the, the rest of the night then? It would be amazing if he couldn't read, wouldn't it? Because like <laughs> he's done all this and he can't read. Yeah. He's even better. Imagine if he could read. Oh. How good it'd have been then. Yeah, no one would have had a chance. Uh, the segment no. does start to go a little long. I felt, and I'm pretty sure you you felt the same thing too. They were trying to go for that rock sock birthday celebration. Mm. Oh yeah, yep, completely. The highest rated segment of wrestling television in history: seven million plus viewers for the whole twenty minute segment. Not a single bump was done. No, no, no blood was shed. It's the safest. 20 minutes in Mick Foley's wrestling career, <laughs> and it's the highest rated. Yeah, what's that tell you, Mick? Did you waste your life? Maybe. Well, he is a New York Times bestseller, so oh, true. let's give yes. him credit. It'd be, like, it'd be nice if he wasn't in so much pain, and if he could have just figured that out like five years earlier, he could maybe stop yes. jumping off things, but mm. was not to oh, be. Well, not to be. So the way we get out of this opening segment is they call Justin Robertson to the ring, and get him to read for Jericho because, as we've established, can't. Um, <laughs> That's right. But Justin Roberts doesn't sound particularly infused when he's reading. So Jericho accuses him of being a bad sport, not being with the moment, and disrespecting Jericho. So they all shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Although he does drop from the weakest slap I've ever seen. It was like he a, does. It was like a professional soccer player. The way he dropped. It reminded me. There's um. You know, in the 80s and 90s, WWF would release those sort of best of videos and they were like little matches they taped here and there. They weren't part of pay-per-views. They were just these odds and sods matches from live events and stuff. There's one where Randy Savage clips a ref with his foot, just the tiniest bit. And I've never seen a bump like it. The ref just goes flying. It's like, that's that's too much. It reminded me of that. Amazing. So who's going to save Justin Roberts from this beatdown? Well, thankfully, SCU are there dressed as musicians. And I wondered what their intention was doing that if Justin Roberts didn't get beaten up. Were they just happy to be musicians for the night when they saw, actually, this isn't on. Let's go and help. What was their plan? I reckon it was an extra $50 each. Ah, that'll do it. It's like Tony Khan was like, I need some people to play band members. And they walked around backstage and SCU were like, we'll do it. Yeah, it's true. $60 $60 and we'll do it. Exactly. And Tony Khan was like, oh, I don't know. That extra $10, bit hit and miss. But they yeah. went for it. I've got to ask my dad for the money. <laughs> the marching band run in and SCU, club of the crap, out of the inner circle. That, they, they fight off, we go to adverts. It's not the most satisfying end to a segment ever, but it is the end of no. the segment. Mm-hmm. What did you do November 27th this year? Did you do anything special to celebrate Jericho Day? Uh... I don't believe I did. Uh, I think it must have slipped my mind somehow, which I feel bad for now. We were probably doing a podcast, so we'll just say yeah. that, that was a special moment. I'll, I'll do something extra special next year. Yeah. I was about that, Chris. Put it, put it on your calendar now if it's not wrapped up and under yeah, a tree. 
<laughs> True. So let's get to the first match of the night. It is a man's tag match. We're only going to gender the men's matches tonight. Men's tag okay, match. Okay, like it. Who have we got? We have got the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent. They were against the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr., as he was known at this point, and Ray Phoenix. So I figured, watching this, hey, oh, this will be one that Pete likes. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a great showing for the best friends. Chuck, again, being a little bit lax there. He looked better in this one than he has in some other matches. But, yeah, I'm still waiting for that match to, to sell. Obviously, you're you're keener on Trent than you are on Chuck, but I'm still waiting for that Chuck Taylor bit to just go, see, see, is all right. But this wasn't the one. But I did enjoy it. It was, it was good. It wasn't overly long. Um, it was fine. It was all right. Now, you say... You say um... Chuck Taylor looked a bit better in this match. Is that because he was dressed up like a B&M Bradshaw? Maybe, yes. I, I think it does. It. I think it was. Yeah. So we should also mention that before the match gets going, the Lucha Bros, they, uh, sorry, the best friends come down to ring, complete with Orange Cassidy, dressed as mm. the top rope turkey, as I call him. Definitely yep. not the gobbledygooker. No, if you If not. you're not sure who the gobbledygooker is, ask your parents. Or your grandparents. <laughs> oh, congratulations. It's, it's better you don't know. Yeah. So there's a fine tradition of bird-based wrestlers. Oh, there is. I'm going to ask. We haven't done one of these for a while. Pete, oh, who is your favourite bird-based wrestler? Is it Hector Guerrero as Gobbledygooker, Perry Taylor as the Red Rooster, Raven, the Birds of War from Always Sunny, the Road Warrior Hawk, Battle Swans from their one-and-done appearance in the CSF Wrestling <laughs> Federation in the UK. Or Coco Beware. Oh, Coco. He was good, wasn't he? Um, I'm going to go with when... Because TNA had an annual tradition where they'd have like a multi-man match and the loser would have to dress as a turkey. Um, and AJ Styles lost it once and dressed as a turkey. And it was very funny. And I think that was the same time where they had a graphic that showed like the, the impact TNA logo and a logo of a turkey. And it was meant to alternate between the two slowly, but whoever had done it had obviously put the fastest speed ever. And it just flashes really quick, like an epileptic's nightmare, this graphic. But um, that always made me laugh. So I'm going to go as AJ Styles dressed as a turkey. I will take that as a valid answer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we said that um, Chuck Taylor hasn't really impressed me yet. And once again, in this hmm. match, he mostly looked like shit. However, yeah. there was a beautiful roll through into a single leg crab in this match from mm. Chuck Taylor. Yes. That was that was smooth as anything. I really, really did like that. And uh Trent actually wins the match. Oh no, Trent's not Chuck Taylor. They're different people. You can tell because they've got different names. They look <laughs> different and they inhabit different space in the space-time continuum. As you were. Mm. Uh, and Trent wins with the crunchy. He does, yeah. Um, kind of unexpected, that win. Even when you've seen it before, like I had, I completely forgot. Obviously, I don't remember every result to every match. But, yeah, um, it was it was kind of nice to see best friends get a win. It was kind of much needed for them, I think. Um, but, yeah, getting one over the Lucha Brothers, who had sort of been pretty high-profile um, tag team at this point. But, yeah, it was I was pleasantly surprised that Best Friends got the win on this one. No, I was as well. It was probably the, the most standout point in the match, to be honest, because Lucha mm. Bros are firmly in the top two, three tag teams in the company at this point. Best Friends, they're, they're not far below the rankings because there's only about five tag teams, but they're probably yeah, yeah. probably fourth or fifth. Well done, Trent. 
I liked it. Yeah, good on you. Um, overall, the match the match wasn't quite what it could have been. I thought, to be honest, like maybe if it had been the very first match before the segment, uh, and it was a bit more of a you've got the crowd energy to get going. You know, first thing mm. they've seen all night. I think it maybe that could have carried it a bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It wasn't. I wasn't the best showing for either team there, but yeah, it was what it was. There's been certainly worse matches I've seen on shows in my life. Did you find it really loud? Like all all through this show, I found the the ring really yes ever present and bassy and just a bit bit too. It's like they might yeah. up to the intro segment and then. Forgot. Yeah, and they just left it really basic. It was very odd. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I noticed that. Not just me, then. That's good. It got really annoying at points to the point that I was like, What's your favourite ring sound? Oh, shit. Because <laughs> mine was the WCW ring, just has this really distinct sound to it when people bump it. I think because it was a little bit smaller, it's got this, it's, it's hard to describe it, but like if I had a blindfold on and someone played the sound of someone bumping in a WCW ring, I'd know that it was their ring because it's got this really distinctive sound. Well, next week we're doing the Pepsi ring challenge where we're going <laughs> to plan people on different wrestling rings and people identify <laughs> the rings. Uh, no, I do know what you mean because there, there is a difference between them. Um, I'm going to give a cop-out answer of um, any wrestling ring live. Mm, true. Because there is, it, it, it's it's the difference between listening to a CD and listening to a band live. Like, yeah. rings are noisy. They are bits of wood bouncing up and down on bits of metal because people are slamming their bodies on them. Yes. And, and if you've not seen a wrestling event live, preferably a smaller one, support your indies, people. Mm. Um, yeah. Although maybe not in a pandemic, which we're still in, but let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a wrestling ring live does sound... So much more impressive than it does on TV. Unless you're at WrestleMania and you're way, 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 way back up in the cheap seats like I was at WrestleMania 24, in which case you, you can't hear the ring. <laughs> oh, well. You were there, though. You can say you were there. I was, I can, yeah, I, I can say that I have seen the big show job to boxer who's quite famous and I can't remember. Floyd Mayweather. There we go. There. And you saw Ric Flair's last match on Gov. And CM Punk Live, which I totally forgot. Oh, there you go. But yeah, but yeah I forgot that for, for years. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's when, he, when he came back in AEW and I was so chuffed to see him back wrestling again. And I was like, oh, I would love to see this guy live. And then like, a couple of days passed and I twigged and I said to my wife, you know, we've, we've actually seen CM Punk wrestle live. She had no idea either. <laughs> I don't know if she remembers that she was at a WrestleMania, to be fair, but she was. She can say it. So we, we get a brief clip here uh, before we go to the next match. Of the women's rankings, we see that Hikiru Shida is mm. number one, Rick is number two, um, presumably after the champion, because <laughs> I would think having the belt rank yes. you one. Well, yes, that's right, yeah. We use that in as a lead-in into a tag match. Who's in it? It's B Priestley and Emi Sakura um, against Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. And I was really confused at the entrances to this match because they uh, announced B Priestley as being from New Zealand. And I was like, hang on, she's English. I'm sure she's English. And I had to Google it. And yeah, and she is, but she gets announced uh, 
on occasion as being from New Zealand. So I'm guessing she's got some family over there or she spent a lot of time over there. But yeah, I was very confused at the time. I'd never I'd never twigged that before with any of her entrances. Or she was an extra in Lord of the Rings. Possibly. If you were yes. an extra in Lord of the Rings, you can claim you're from New Zealand. That's just law. Yeah, there you go. Good law, that. Mm. Tolkien's law. Uh, uh, one other thing I'm going to point out before we get into the, the nuts and guts of this match is we had a male referee in this match, and that's unusual. Hmm. Yes, yes. And they don't kind of mention how good it is to have a male referee. It's, it's amazing to see. a really he, good job. He's and... really good, isn't he? He's, he's such <laughs> he's a good... He's so good at it. And he never lets Tender <laughs> get in the way, does he? He just turns up, <laughs> puts his makeup on, dusts his balls and gets on with it. Yeah, what a, what a, what a guy. I could write down his name, but I can't find where I wrote it. <laughs> it's the bold yeah. one. What's he called? Oh, I like him. He's called... There's a, a couple of bold ones, isn't there? There's the one that does all the Young Bucks matches, the older one. Yeah, I've completely blanked on the referee's names now. Yeah, he's good, though. We'll remember it one day. We'll just come up later on, partway through the show, and just shout his name out. Yeah, because he, 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 he gets a bit disrespected by the wrestlers in this match, consistently. And then later in the show, he gets the same again. It's just like, if he's not on Dynamite episode 10... Get why he's having a mental health day, and that's allowed. Bryce Remberg, thank you. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Still can't find him in my notes, but that's fine. <laughs> talk us through this match, Pete. Yeah, so we, we have Emmy Sakura doing a um, Freddie Mercury impression with that disappearing moustache she has. Uh, very quick shave, very, very impressive. Uh, the ring announcer is super confused by Emmy Sakura's entrance. <laughs> Jack mm. back and watch it, she's just like. Half frowning, like, is that a real <laughs> Really funny, yeah. really funny. Worth looking for. <laughs> but yeah, she's um, she's proper healing it up in this match, which is which is good, and she seems to be having a good time doing it as well. Um, we've seen Sakura a bit before, and she has kind of wrestled as a heel against Rio, but she was proper healing it up in this match, and I enjoyed that. And B Priestley is always great at that. She's a natural uh, bad wrestler, is not not a bad wrestler, but a, a bad woman wrestler. Um, but yeah, so I, I like that, and you know, Sheeda's always fun to watch. And Statlander, it's it. It's nice to see her get a bit of shine. She looked very powerful in this match. She is. She's a, a very powerful wrestler. Um, so I had a good time with this one. I, I thought it was really good. Everyone played their parts really well. I thought. Yeah. So I looked up um, some stats on Chris Statlander because obviously they go on about how big and powerful she is and how tall she is. Hmm. And although she's billed as five eleven, apparently she's only five nine. And I've got to say, she she what? does look. Mm, I guess it helps when you're around people who are a lot shorter than you. I guess that is quite tall for a, a women's wrestler, isn't it? But um, yeah, I can't believe wrestling's lying to us about things. I know. I know. Cheated. Well, Unbelievable. You're telling me Big Show's not seven foot next. Or, or Kane, five six, but he wears boots. So yes, that's right. just, just big boots. <laughs> mm, really big ones. But yeah, as you said, some good natural heel moments from Sakura here. A couple that I particularly liked. I always like my comedy heel spots, but the crowd didn't seem to be as impressed. Mm. So Hikuri Shida's got that spot where she sets up a chair outside the ring, doesn't use it to strike her opponent, but launches yep. off it. It's just a, a cute little spot she does, gets a bit of heat, like cheap pop when she pulls out the crowd, uh, the chair, but doesn't use it in a legal manner. Before she can jump off it, though, Emi Sakura sits in it and just yes. bounces to the crowd. Very good fun. Um, and there's a few spots in the match where you get into a complicated sequence and she ends up using the referee's arm to clothesline Hikuri Shida. 
Uh, yes, the, that was good. The crowd really didn't get the joke, though, did they? They they really shat on that and started booing, and it's like it, it's funny. Yeah, it's it's weird. AEW crowds can be a bit funny like that because if Orange Cassidy did it, they'd be all over that. They'd love it. But yeah, it's, it seems that they only like a bit of comedy from certain wrestlers, and when others do it, they're like, "No, this is serious. We're we're a proper wrestling company. We don't want any of these shenanigans." Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed those stuff. Maybe it's because men's wrestling is getting more and more popular now. You have like more than one men's match per show, um, oh, yeah, so you can you, bit, you can yeah. mix it up a bit and have those kind of comedy spots now, and people mm. don't mind so much. You know, when it's only true, one men's true. match per show, then um, <laughs> you know you, you you wanted it to be kind of not too camp. Yeah, but yeah. So Orange Cassidy's really really come along from his bra and panties days. Everyone's had them. Everyone's I'm had sure those have. days. Um, and you can have them in wrestling as well, not just in the privacy yeah, of your own home. Yeah, you can, yeah. Definitely. My favourite cheeky heel move in this was using the mic stand that she uses during her entrances. Mm. Pronouns, I'm talking about Emi Sakura. During an abdominal stretch to, to weaken Chris Statlander, yes. the big, powerful villain of the piece. Although, there, she was a good guy. You know what I mean. <laughs> I got you. Best spot from Chris Statlander in this match because we haven't seen much of her on AEW yet. Um, the Oklahoma roll she did was really, mm. really quite yeah, nice. The ending sequence, let's just go through the ending sequence. Um, Sakura, she takes a completely blind knee to the back of the head, followed straight mm. up by a kick to the face, and then <laughs> an electric chair face buster from Chris Statlander, the big power move of the match. <laughs> and then Chris yeah. Statlander gives her the scissor kick while she's trying to get up from that. And then she kicks out clean. <laughs> yeah. A heroic Emi Sakura, who's a bad guy. But yes, it was it was quite the sight. But she's Japanese. They're used to kicking out of all these big ending sequences. It's, it's part of the course for a, a Japanese wrestler. That's just what they do. So during that villainous comeback, we get a microphone <laughs> shot to the back of... Uh, Chris Statlander. She then takes a back duplex from B Priestley, a Mahistral Cradle roll up from Emi Sakura, pinning Statlander fairly clean if you don't count the mic stand shot for the back. Uh, it's a shame, really, that on her AEW Dynamite debut, Chris Statlander gets, gets pinned clean, but they're yeah. protecting Hikiru Shida here and it's building to that. So that's exactly. fine. Yeah. And we go straight from that to the Moxley promo. Mm hmm. Uh, I made no notes. I can't remember a thing about it. It was really, really generic. Yeah, it was just one of those Moxie in the back promos talking about how he's dangerous and all that sort of jazz that you used to see him from. Yeah, but it didn't really do anything or set anything up, did it? Um, it was just a, an appearance for Moxley, or one of many, possibly, or one of two. I say many. But yeah, it, it wasn't really... It was much of nothing. It, it was just give the crowd a moment to pop after... Exactly. After the match. Um, Then we get a long little advert break. And if you're watching on Fight, you get a lovely trending from Jim Ross out of nowhere, right (laughs) in the middle of it. Right. So let's take a break from Dynamite and let's go into the Codyverse for a second. Okay. Who have we got and does it matter? Well, we've got Cody against Matt Nix. And this is the first time, and I feel bad for Matt Nix that this is the first time. This is the first time I've had to Google someone to find out who they were. Because normally, I'm pretty good. You listeners might think, oh, Pete looks up all these wrestlers to give facts about them. I don't. I just know this stuff. But unfortunately, Matt Nix is my first blank 
point. So I had to do a bit of research from him. And I didn't find out a lot, to be honest. Um, the latest thing I found about Matt Nix was from July 2021, where he announced he was stepping away from wrestling. Um, he promoted a company called Freelance Wrestling uh, and wrestled uh, on a few indies here and there. But yeah, that's that's as much Matt Nix info as I can give you, really. Um, obviously didn't do much more after this, unfortunately. A few months later, he was retiring. I guess this loss and spoilers he did lose um, affected him. And and how could it not? Did um, when you googled him, was it a Google whack? Was there only one search result, or there was on like a, a wrestling wiki? He had an entry, and all it had was his name. There was Brilliant. no like trained by matches, significant matches, finisher, or anything. Nothing. And then I found a random news article where he announced his his retirement. I found a review of one of our old shows on a wrestling database, and I think I was the only person in the match whose name wasn't blue and you couldn't click it. (laughs) Finally made it. (laughs) (laughs) You and Matt Nix. Yeah. There you go. So this stuff happened in this match, and then the match ended. Cody wins with a figure four. Uh, I mean, to be honest, mm. this is just a quick win on TV uh, from a, a guy who we haven't seen since the pay-per-view where he didn't win and looked a bit disrespected. So get him over. Quick win. Figure four. Done. Now, I have a question for you here because the, there's a Go few on. bits we've got It's not about Matt Nix, is it? No. Was was the Good. reason why the ring sounded weird all night because the blade and the butcher have been underneath it all night with the bunny? Ah... Uh... Could be. Did they have to yeah, change maybe. the ring set up to protect them in some way? Because yeah, spoilers, mm. they emerge from under the ring. They cut a hole in the canvas and crawl up through the ring. No reason, because they could have just... What I liked what I liked about the hole is, like, we've seen it before with, like, Kane would often come up through the ring and it'd be like a, a messy split. It was a perfect square. It, it just looked... Obviously, it was meant to be a, a hole for them to crawl out but they could have disguised it a bit it was just this perfect square that uh, Butch and Blade came out of I mean the thing is when they've had people come out from under the ring in the past it's usually because there's been a cage around the ring so they have to mm. yes if, yeah. if, if, like so that was Kane's Hell in the Self uh, appearance and I believe Big Show in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, I want to say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that that made sense because you can't just have Kane come out and rip the front of the cell off every time. Sometimes people have to mm. come up from underneath it. When someone comes up from under the ring, when it would have just been easier is to roll out from under the canvas and get in. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not like Cody saw the hole being cut open and was like, oh my God, what's this? He turned around, there was just people stood in the ring like there always is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess Ali is the bunny now. Yes, absolutely no explanation to that. She was just like happy-go-lucky baby face last week, and now she's uh, the bunny. I mean, Ali is uh, very much known for her love of all things horror, um, so I think this leans more into the sort of stuff she's into. Um, and the Blade is a real-life husband. Um TNA fans will remember him as Braxton Sutter. Caesar W fans will remember him as Pepper Parks. Um, but yeah, he's he's been around the sort of places you'd expect to see a wrestler. Never wrestled in WWE, I don't believe, but he's, he's done Ring of Honor, Caesar W, uh, TNA stroke Impact, and obviously now he's in All Elite Wrestling. Um, but yeah, him and Ali, real life married couple. 
Now that's Butcher, right? The bigger one. Butch is the bigger one. Blade is the one that's married to Ali. Butch, right? Uh, Butcher. He's uh, and Andy Williams. He was the um, a member of the band Every Time I Die. He played guitar in that band um, up until I think last year they split up. Um, but yeah, he just is a wrestling fan as well and sort of got into the wrestling biz probably a bit later than a lot of people do because he was in a band. He was he was playing music for you know his adult life, but like wrestling as well. And all elite wrestling was kind of his first big thing. Really, he did a few indies here and there. But yeah, AEW came a call. I guess it's it's good to have a bit of a crossover star. Um, every time I die, I did have quite a good following. So yeah, get him in. I I always think of them as quite a new band, but they're really not. <laughs> they're really really no, not. No, no. So uh, he doesn't look as old and out of place as it sometimes seems like he does. And he has got a monocle, so that'll get over. Mm-hmm. So I know how you know that about these guys, right? Mm-hmm. My question is, how does Excalibur know everything about these people when all they've done is crawl out from a hole in the ring? Well, yeah. I mean, I like JR. I don't know who these people are. Who are they? What, what are they up to? Are they men of ear? Are they allowed? But yeah, that's kind of Excalibur's thing, isn't it? He's meant to know everything about everyone. But it is all right. Like when this happens, I don't know who these guys are. Um, you, you, you can do that and it not ruin anything. It probably, with these sort of guys that are sort of coming as these heavy hitting mercenaries, it probably adds to it. Like I, I've never seen these guys before. I don't know who they are. You don't have to know everything about everyone on the on the commentary desk. But yeah, JR went completely the other way. He just kept bringing up, I don't know who they are. Who are they? Vince was always the king of that when he was on the commentary team. He always knew exactly how he wanted the segment to go. Yeah. And he would yeah. ask the questions that the audience were would ask yes. if he couldn't answer them in kayfabe. And I, I like that. I think that's stronger. You know, it's because then you can kind of, if you commentate going, well, we're going to find out more about these people in the coming weeks. There's a reason yeah. to keep watching. Whereas what what Excalibur's done there is he's just made everyone, including Jim Ross, seem stupid for not knowing who these yeah. randos are. It's not like Blade's doing a, a gimmick that he'd done previously. Like the Blade gimmick's completely different to his Pepper Parks and uh, Brandon Sutter gimmicks. It's it's not even like oh well yeah it's it's the same gimmick with a different name. It's a completely different thing. So yeah, you could have you could have pleaded ignorance on it really. And like we've given this more attention than it really deserves because it got absolutely no <laughs> pop from the crowd, did it? Yeah. Not no yeah. reaction yeah, exactly. at all. Even when they started beating on Cody, they weren't like, "Oh no, leave Cody alone." Yeah. It was just mm. absolutely flat. It's it's so weird. I think maybe if like MJF or someone had been up on the entrance way on a mic mm. distracting Cody and then the people come through the ring, you know Cody's going to get jumped. And I think that would really amp the crowd up. And mentally affiliating these people with MJF, you're instantly going to hate them. Yeah, you could have had him walk up the ramp and he hands him an envelope of cash or something. Yeah, just to sort of, okay, they're mercenaries. They're here to just beat people up for money. And that would have, yeah, solved that nicely. Well, that's the Codyverse for you. (laughs) It certainly is. Not meant to make sense. So the next match on the card, we've got another um, another one is a men's single match. <laughs> it is. Should we call it a cruiserweight singles match? Oh, yeah. uh, it's Kenny Omega <laughs> against Pac. Um, obviously, this was advertised last week. Um, not a bad match to uh, announce. I can see why you'd announce that one in advance because it's going to get eyes on it. Um, two of AW's definite biggest stars at this point, um, still to this very day. Um, wasn't the match I thought it was going to be because they do have another match and I thought that 
this was going to be that one. Um, that'll make sense when we see it soon. Um, but yeah, I, I went into this thinking it was a, a different match, so it kind of surprised me when it was just a, a regular, normal match. But it's good. It's Kenny Omega and Pack. You're not going to get a bad match out of these two lads. Very true, very true. Um, my question for you before we start examining the match itself, is Pack the best British wrestler? Yes, I would say so. Um, probably, obviously not from a if you ask people to name a British wrestler, it's going to be Big Daddy or British Bulldog, isn't it? But yeah, as far as talent goes, yes, I think he's head and shoulders above anyone else we've we've sent over to the US, I'd say. Other than me and you, of course. Well, obviously, yeah. We're retired, but... so he's, he's all right. We've, that, that's the only caveat there. We're retired, Pac. You're lucky. Well, I retired because I saw Pac and went, well, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I was better than him I just did his stuff better and I thought no let's give him a chance you have got a lot of good British guys working at the minute but just in terms of mm. look like move set gimmick over with the crowd yeah. where he's wrestled everything like that like Pack Pack to me is this generation's sort of dynamite kid yeah he's got everything down as well hasn't he there's, there's no work to be done with Pack he's yeah he's he's sorted himself out he knows what he is and Everyone knows what he is. Yes, he's 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 sorted. He's established. He's got all the skills to make it, and he's not an awful human being. That helps. It does yeah. help, doesn't it? Um, so mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't really get many notes in this match because I was actually just watching it, which is always I find yeah. a really good sign. Um, there yeah, was, that's a good thing. Yeah, nothing nothing to criticize. No, not no real noticeable big spots. It's it's Pack versus Kenny Omega. You know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I did probably think this was better than their pay per view match. Yeah, because um, obviously this is this is a direct sequel to their big match where Kenny Omega was pinned at the hands. Well, actually, the referee stoppage because yeah, called it. Yeah, yeah, Kenny passed out in the brutalizer because Pack was just all over him. That's it. So yeah, really solid match all through. It kind of ended the way you sort of expected it to, mm-hmm. with Kenny going over, but. I kind of felt it would have mattered more if they hadn't already had Pack drop a match like a week or two earlier. Yeah, very true. Um, I kind of like that Kenny didn't beat with a one-winged angel. He he got him with a, a pinning combination, which kind of kept things a bit sort of, well, you know, was that a fluke? Did he, you know, that's not how you'd expect Kenny to win a match. Um, very different sort of finish for for Kenny Omega. Normally, he's very much one winged angel done. Yeah, but you know, it keeps things open. You, you can say this isn't over because was that a fluke win? They've got a winner piece now. I think we might need a third match between these two, maybe with a little stipulation or or gimmick to it. Maybe. Yeah. So I mean, that was the interesting thing, didn't it? It did look like Pac was trying to kick out. He had the energy to carry on, but Kenny mm, just yeah. really let in and did a full proper yeah. full body cover. And, and properly yes. pinned the guy, no way out. And he was bent up over on himself. So um, yeah, was, definitely, yeah. definitely worth a watch, though. Like, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend anyone go back and watch any of the pack, Kenny Omega matches. Definitely. And if there's another one coming up with a stipulation, then let's save all our chat about these two for that. Good idea. Top match, though. Really, really strong. I enjoyed yeah, it a definitely. lot. Four stars from Big Melts, that one. Four stars. Four whole stars. And that's only out of seven, isn't it? So... <laughs> True, yeah. He, he has broke his system, so. Yeah, oh, he's ruined it. Yeah. Ruined it for everyone. 
So we are into another match. It's a men's single match. It's for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Who have we got? We have got MJF uh, with Wardlow against Adam Page. These were the last two people in the Battle Royal last week. So they went on to buy for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. This is going to be crowning the first ever winner of said ring in a ring, but not King of the Ring. Because that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was Sting ever King of the Ring with a dynamite ring? Unfortunately not. No. Shame in it. What Damn. was what I'm was probably... WCW's equivalent of King of the Ring? It didn't really. I'm trying to. Think. Yeah, I don't think they ever did any sort of big yearly tournaments or anything. No, nope, you're incorrect. The correct answer is be friends with the Booker. Ah, yes, that's it. <laughs> that's how you become times, King of the Ring in WCW. <laughs> so here's a question I've got to ask you. Going back in time, way back in time, those three years to 2019. Mm. Was Adam Page the favourite to win this? Uh, I don't remember, to be honest. I think a lot of people probably thought he was, because obviously he was one of the kind of founding fathers of the company. He was part of the elite going into it. Um, And I think people expected big things from him very early on. Obviously, he was vying for the World Championship against Jericho originally. So I guess it could have made sense to sort of give him a consolation prize in the the diamond ring. but as we've seen, um, it, it suits MJF. It's a, a perfect little gimmick for him to have. Um, so it made sense for MJF to win. But yeah, I, I don't remember at the time who was the favourite and who wasn't. Um, I think it, you know, looking at it, it, you could go either way with these with one of these. It wouldn't hurt either one. But I think the gimmick of having the, the diamond ring works with MJF better than with a cowboy. Had it been Stetson's, the dynamite Stetson, Adam Page would have been the obvious winner. That's a Bauer gimmick. <laughs> the Dynamite Stetson. Put it on the list. Jim Jetson. Dynamite. Uh, okay, so <laughs> just, just before we get into the match, I've got to point out as well how nice it is to have a male referee in a male single oh, match like this. Oh, it's so good to see, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's really it's, empowering, I yeah, find. Yeah, and that's two matches in a row for Bryce Remsburg. That's, that shows well, their confidence it. and faith in him as a, I think so. as a male referee. So well done, well done. Yeah. Well done, Bryce. There's a, yeah. a fruit basket winging its way to you right now. Uh, Bryce Rensberg, of course, does have an OnlyMans account, if you want to check that out. <laughs> I'm on it. I really hope he does. That would be amazing. <laughs> so, um, MGF versus Adam Page for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. What do you feel of the match itself? Uh, it was all right. It wasn't overly long, you know, considering it's for... Something that's considered quite a big prize. It had a, a battle royal to establish who was going to vie for it, and then this big final match to come from it. Only seven minutes, um, and it was it was all right. It, it's not a bad match by any means, but it, it wasn't like we're just in Kenny Omega versus Pack, mm. um, and sort of go into this, which you know they're not the same sort of wrestlers, so it's unfair to compare it. But yeah, it it, it was it was a clear step down um, from that. It, it was fine. Um, it just didn't do anything overly exciting for me. No, it was really weird that it was so short, given what's on mm. the line, the stakes, who's in it, the fact that Adam Page has, you know, gone all the way with Jericho and yeah, yeah, and then just been pipped at the post by the Judas effect. Like Adam Page has very much been established as, if not the man, then you know, silver medal from Tony Khan, the man. Yeah, exactly. There were some really fun spots, of course. Um, sack of shit, fall away slam. I always love to see those. Less so mm-hmm. in a match like this where um, MJF has been working on Adam Page's arm 
for most of the match, yeah. and then you still do one. <laughs> but it is a short match. How injured could an arm be is the question. True. Lovely butt shot from the man, the page. Yeah. And that realistically could have been it, although you'd hope for a longer match than that, if Wardlow mm. hadn't put MJF's foot on the rope. Yeah, good old Wardlow earning his cash, wasn't he? Yeah, he is. And it's really weird watching this to think that Wardlow is going to be in the same position for two and a mm. half years. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah. That is, that is so crazy. When you think, like, how much did WWE change in the two and a half years between... Mm. I don't know, WrestleMania 2013, and then like two and a half years later, yeah. different company, different people. Like, is there anyone still there other than The Undertaker? It's crazy, crazy to think. Wardlow is such a, a funny one as well, because like we said before, it's very easy to look at him and go, oh, he's going to be useless, and he's one of them big lads that we've seen WWE push all the time that don't do a lot. But then he has um, uh, a cage match with Cody Rhodes kind of quite early on, and you're like, oh, hang on. He's got something, hasn't he? Um, and then you just have that that really long build to him. It's like everyone goes, right, he's going to turn on MJF and he's going to be a star from that. And they just drag it on and on and on. Um, so, yeah, we've got all that to come. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is funny to think that he was he was just that that foil for for the time he was. He is, he is quite fully formed, though. I mean, I was expecting mm. him to be rubbish here, but actually just... Watch the way he moves around the ring. He's always engaged with what's happening in the ring. He doesn't let the crowd distract him. He's in the moment. He yeah. knows the, the phrase I always use is he knows why he's there. Yeah, yeah. And that isn't something you can teach. Like, you can have someone who's got all the talent and all the tools in the world, like um, Rampage alumni Big Bill, as he's been rebranded yeah. this week. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Great, that guy man. should be fantastic. But without yeah. without Enzo being his mouthpiece, his hype man, he's just, he's just, mm. I don't know, it's just, there's nothing there and it's such a shame. Yeah, yeah, I know what um, you mean. Hopefully, hopefully he'll get it and he'll know why he's there, but mm. if, if the only reason you can go, why is your character here? It's because, well, Tony can't pay me to be here. <laughs> I'm tall, aren't I? Yeah, that's that's not an answer. <laughs> you need to know yeah. why your character is there at that moment, at, yeah. outside the ring, during that match, why you're not in the ring, what's your stakes, what why you aligned with MJF. And he looked like he knew all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so so after that, Wardlow putting the foot on the rope, changing the dynamic of this match, MJF does win it with a sloppy crossroads. So it's mm. putting an extra exclamation point on the turn against Hoody. So that's nice. Yes. That keeps that story going. I always kind of think with this one, the way he was still sort of feuding with Cody in his own mind there, you have Adam mm-hmm. Page then feud with Wardlow for a bit, and that would be quite a solid little feud. Yeah. Like you wouldn't wouldn't do it for long, but you could definitely do it. Then, of course, we have to present the diamond ring. We do, and we need someone with the word "ring" in their name. I mean, diamond. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting here, though, because DDP is the one who comes out. Who better than Diamond Dallas Page to present the diamond ring? Literally anyone, really. It wouldn't have mattered. But he's there anyway. (laughs) And they were both part of Cody's entourage. So this is a little bit heated. Mm -hmm. And it breaks down. And Wardlow gets to the ring, gets in the face of DDP. And they have a bit of beat down. And DDP, the only reason I'm not going for you now is I don't want you to be embarrassed when a 63-year-old whoops your ass around the ring. That was quite good. And then he looked a bit scared. After that, yeah, I, I I do like how he presented the ring in a little box. He sort of aimed it up like he was going to propose. Oh, that was nice. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, you could couldn't they have got like a plinth and had it? I mean, they <laughs> yeah, love just something. They love ring belts on plinths in AEW. Couldn't they have done something mm. better for the the the, the ring? Yeah. But the little yeah. box. Well, hopefully next year that it will become a diamond Stetson or something. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, now the streak has been broken. Has the streak been broken? I can't remember how it ended. No, not yet. No, we, we've got the the matches next week. Ricky Starks versus MJF for the ring and the That's AEW right. World Championship. That's right. It's it's all coming to a all coming to a big match blow off on a Game of Thrones tied in Winter is coming promotion. Big match blow off. The big match blow off. That's great. That's a WCW name though, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Like the brawl to end the ball. That's it. Yeah. Love it. I was trying to think of another one then, but I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. Before we get to the next match, we have Jen Decker interviewing Dustin Rhodes. Almost said Cody. Dustin Rhodes. Oh, oh these nasty people broke my arm twice. And now it's a bit better. <laughs> and then Sammy in the inner circle running. Who who knew that would yeah. happen? Oh, Little scamps beating him up. But luckily, there are some friends in the back. We get an appearance. Matt Jackson's back. Obviously, he had his week off because he got beaten up severe, a little bit more than Nick did. So yeah, the Bucks make the save. Um, yeah, it was a he kept the wheels moving uh, moment for a match. I don't think anyone's too fussed about seeing and that's not a dig against Dustin but yeah Dustin Rose versus Jake Hager's not going to put too many butts in seats at this point I don't think but you know it's building to a match and that's always appreciated I guess basically main event mm, yeah <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean there was a triple shattered dream spot that the crowd popped for that was all right yeah that was nice it was good and then, if that wasn't bad enough, we have a crap Dark Order promo. Right, here's an idea. If you're starting a cult and you're trying to bring people in, don't call it Dark Order. Call it, like, yeah. The Wave or, you know, Rainbow Road or, I don't know, just something positive, like Scientology. The Free, the free Sweets group. That'd be good. Or Free Hat. Yeah, Free Hat's Someone wants good. Free Hat. If you tell people there's going to be cucumber sandwiches, more people will turn up. That's very true. Oh, fuck. Talk us, talk us this. We are on to the main <laughs> event of the night. It is another men's single match for the Men's World Championship belt. Yes, we've got that bloody Aubrey Edwards yep. taking the place of a good old male referee. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. I don't know why she's just called referee when they have to be called male referees, but, you know, <laughs> them's the breaks. <laughs> so we have men's champion Chris Jericho defending his world championship against, who is it, Pete? The men's men's challenger, Scorpio Sky, who is a man. Established. <laughs> so this was this has had quite a build, this match, really, hasn't it? With, uh, with it what has. happened... On the last show, we've had the build of the tag tournaments, everything leading up to Scorpio Sky. We've been huge fans of Scorpio Sky here on this show. Uh, and yeah. it's all going to come down to this. Yeah, I mean, Scorpio, the first man to pin Jericho uh, in an AW ring, which is uh, brought up a few times. So, yeah, it's a big deal for Scorpio in this one. His first, his biggest match of his career, some might say. And they're not allowed to have mates at ringside. They've got to do it on their own. That's right. No mates rule. Yeah. Which gets broken. But yeah, yes, doesn't, no doesn't mates. Last long, Thank you. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Do you think the belt being on the line hurt this match? Because 
oh, it's yeah. a cheap pop last week to say it's going to be a title match, and that was quite good fun. But then when you actually get to it, you're like, well, Scorpius guy's not going to win, is he? Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could have just had a regular match and maybe have Scorpio pin him again, then get a title shot because he's beat the champion twice, then do it if you, if you want to do this world title match between them. But yeah, it, it does kind of ruin it a bit. And it's nothing against Scorpio. Like you say, we've been huge fans and supporters of him uh, the whole of AEW, but he just knew he wasn't going to be the guy to dethrone Jericho. Um, so yeah, it did, did take any sort of oomph out the match. He kind of knew who was going to win. He just didn't necessarily know how. Um, so that, yeah, the, the story was kind of told before you even saw the match. I mean, I think perhaps it would have been better if Jericho had won like by count out or DQ or mm. something where he obviously retained the belt regardless of the decision. That doesn't happen. Um, despite Scorpio Sky's best effort, it, it all goes a bit awry for him. He does have some lovely spots, so uh, he does one of his lovely deep cutters and he holds that and turns it into a dragon sleeper. Yep. That looks very nice. Mm-hmm. We get the old Hagar Redding and an SCU come out, no longer dressed as members of a band, just dressed as no, SCU. No, they've got changed. It's disappointing. Yep. I would have thought they would have held that all night, but you know, <laughs> it shows they didn't come in the clothes, doesn't it? So, well, exactly. Yeah, breaks kayfabe. Scorpio hits the TKO. That's a very close call. That's almost the moment, isn't it? The crowd, just for that yes. split second, the crowd want to believe. Mm-hmm. The match does sort of reverse when Jericho hits Desperation Codebreaker. Uh, for a near fall, and then slaps on the walls of Jericho, despite not really working on any part of Scorpio Sky <laughs> or doing anything to weaken instant, him. Instant tap as well, isn't it? There's there's no time he's really in that. He's, the hold's on and he's pretty much tapping. I mean, I would have probably gone the he's in the walls of Jericho, he's surviving it, transition it to the Lion Tamer, then he taps. Is probably yeah. how I'd have done it. That would have made Scorpio look like, yeah, he was he, was, he couldn't win from that he was he was stuck he was screwed at that point that would have just made Scorpio look a bit more sort of fighting but yeah it's a very very quick tap to just a standard Wolves of Jericho yeah or do the submission staple where he crawls to the ropes just as he's within reach yeah. of them Jericho walks him back yeah yeah or even or even have Jake Hagar hit him in the face and then Jericho walks him back like there, mm, there, yes. there's a lot you could have done that would have protected Sky a bit more but no no he just was like ah I don't like it I'm out mm-hmm. yeah um, but let's have a conversation around what if Jericho hadn't put on the walls of Jericho and tapped him? What if Scorpio Sky had won? And in 2019, tail end of 2019, forget Spentertainment, it's wrestlers, yeah. and anyone can win in this sports-based presentation. Anyone can win at any time. Scorpio Sky, a young, flippy, athletic, awesome talent who can speak on the mic, out of nowhere, a couple of months into TV, he's the champion. How does that change AEW now? I probably think had he won it, he wouldn't have held it for long. It would have been a week or two and Jericho would have got it back. It would have been cool. Uh, it would have been one of those moments. A bit like when Jericho beat Triple H on Raw and then it got reversed by the end of the night because of the, the referee shenanigans. You know, that was such a moment. The crowd went wild for Jericho pinning Triple H. And yes, it didn't last. And yes, it's not in the record books as a, a title reign for Jericho, but... It didn't matter because it kind of established Jericho that he could be one of the the big names, if not the biggest name in the company at the time. And it made him a a main event guy in a lot of eyes. And I know at that time, Vince and a lot of people backstage weren't high on Jericho. They they thought he was bad. They thought he was a waste of their money. And I think that opened a lot of eyes when the crowd reacted so positively to it. 
it would have probably been similar with that with Scorpio. I think the moment mm. would be fondly remembered. It probably wouldn't have helped him career-wise any more than what he's done already. But I think it would have he'd have that moment. Oh, I remember when Scorpio beat Jericho that time for the title. It didn't last, but it was cool, wasn't it? So I think it'd probably just be more that. I mean, I think the way, if I was going to do that, even just have it for a few weeks, just to put Scorpio Sky supremely over, you kind of have it where, like, there's a some sort of interference and Jake Hagar's supposed to hit Scorpio, but hits Jericho, and then Jericho hasn't really been beaten by Scorpio Sky, he's been beaten by his own machinations. Yeah, yeah. Not only would that make the crowd, like, piss themselves, screaming... It doesn't take anything away from Jezza. No, true. And that that would have been a good way of doing it. But yeah, I did. I did. There was a part of me which just. I love Chris Jericho, but at the same time, I don't want him to become the new McMahon Helmsley era. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I don't true. want every every show Jericho match twenty minute interview segment. I like him. Don't get me wrong. I've liked nearly all of them. They yeah, on yeah. some shows they've been my favourite. But I don't, uh-huh. as much as we loved Jericho and Triple H back in 99, we didn't want them on TV. We didn't just want them on TV. We wanted other people yes. to. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that really surprised me, though, because like back at the time, we were so hot on Jericho when he was first signed. Yeah. Um, yeah I didn't definitely. realize he had any heat on him within the company. Like, Yeah, he, he was at the point where yeah, Vince sort of went to him and said, you're green as grass. I think there were some issues. He was feuding with China very early on. Yes. And... He it was a bit. He was. I think he was trying to tell like treat her like one of the guys, and he did. And then when it got back, it's like why did you treat her like one of the guys? It's a woman, Jericho. Jesus Christ. Um. So I, I think there were certain things that were probably a bit out of his control. He was a WCW guy coming into WWE at that time. It was he's not one of our guys. He's he's come from somewhere else. We don't like him. So he had a lot of undue heat, I think, that wasn't his fault. It was just part of the territory. He had to prove himself. WWE's been that sort of company. You haven't done anything till you've done something here. And he had a lot of proving to do, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it wasn't the early, the easiest year or so uh, for him when he went into that company. Now, reading between the lines, I've got a feeling that uh, Jim Ross probably hired him for a bit too much money. And that probably raised some eyebrows backstage. Yeah, both companies were throwing a lot of money around to get wrestlers to jump ship. Didn't really matter who they were, what they could bring. It was a uh, look, your wrestlers jump to us. Ha ha ha! It did. Yeah, and I think Jericho, he did have buzz. Obviously, he'd been everywhere at that point, other than WWE. And he was, he wasn't an unknown by any means. He'd had some amazing matches everywhere he'd been, and he was a. And excites. I remember at the time when he signed, it was like we probably hadn't seen a lot of his ECW and WCW work at that point, but we knew of him, and yeah, we were excited to see him. He was one of the five big cruiserweights we we loved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, eventually he he convinced everyone. But yeah, his his first year or so is, was pretty rough. Still better than staying in WCW. So exactly, yes. <laughs> right. So that was Dynamite episode nine, in which everything kind of ended up the same as it was going into it. It's just uh, yeah. The only thing we kind of missed got a ring. was after the after the world title match, you did have Mox's music hit, and he came out through the crowd and stared Jericho down, sort of saying. I'm next for that. Yeah, he didn't really do anything. Though. It was the second no, he spot of the night there. where it's just like, all right, I just reminding you all, I still exist. It did kind of feel like yeah. that was like he read, he came along, read the script, and was like, oh, "Am I not? Am I not on it this week, Tony? Uh, Creative's <laughs> yeah. got nothing for you." He's like, "What well, if I just do <laughs> two promos?" 
But yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to Moxley for forgetting how forgettable you were on this show. Mm. Yes. But yeah, it was a good, it was a hero spot though because he he put the walls of Jericho on Scorpio again after the match, and someone had to break yeah. it up. And there was such That's urgency right. to break it up, he ran out through the curtain. No, I'm only kidding. He <laughs> he slowly meandered through the crowd <laughs> as he always does. Yeah, didn't quite get to the bottom. Just stood in the middle of the fans for ages, looking <laughs> at Jericho. It's like it probably would have been good if it was half the length. Like it, he came out, his music hit, he came out, did a stare down cut to black but it's like they finished the match a bit early and it's like we've still got a few minutes just stand that keep standing there looking at each other so yeah it probably just went on a bit bit longer than it needed to i guess the invisible wall around the ring that uh cody yeah, referenced a few true. weeks ago i guess that's back yeah they got it in yeah all right so episode nine of dynamite best match of the night for you uh kenny versus pack no, yeah for all the reasons we said when we talked about that match. MVP of the night? Obviously, Matt Nix, because, you know, who wouldn't? Um, MVP, it's in, I'm going to go with Emi Sakura just because she showed a bit more sort of heel personality in her match. Um, she was the one that entertained me the most throughout the night, I'd say. So I'm going Emi Sakura. I'm going to say MJF just because he's one step closer to being the lovable like we all love to <laughs> cheer and boo and cheer again and boo and then cheer and thinking he's definitely turned this time and then no no he's still <laughs> he's still a bad guy. Yes, I, I can be happy with that. Overall, not a bad little episode of TV. We were quite excited going into it, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, some big matches. Uh, it's always nice to have a, a big match on free TV. Um, shows that it's worth tuning into the weekly stuff and hopefully it sells a few pay-per-views. Go, well, this is the sort of stuff they're doing on free TV. What are they going to do on pay-per-views? So, yeah, it was it was all right. It was a good show. And obviously we've got Dustin versus Jake Hager to look forward to. Well, yeah, big one there. Um, and Private Party versus the Bucks. No more appearances for Matt Nix, I don't think. So sorry, all you Nickamaniacs out there, but not to be seen again. What's his finishing move, the Knickerbocker glory? Don't know. Can't. There was no evidence of him having a finisher online. <laughs> well, I think had he had that as a finisher... <laughs> mm, it would have made sense. I bet he'd still be wrestling now. What would the move have been, the Knickerbocker glory? Oh, um, I feel like it needs to be a sit-out something. Sit-out fall away slam. <laughs> <laughs> He's that powerful. He chucks him over his head and he doesn't lie back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's the Knickerbocker glory for all the you aspiring glory. wrestlers. It's just an ass bump, isn't it? Basically, you throw someone in an ass bump. <laughs> the Knickerbocker glory. <laughs> Brilliant. There you go. Well, that was Dynamite episode nine, reviewed by myself and Pete. Aren't we good? Aren't we clever? Aren't we consistent? You can say that if nothing else. <laughs> we can also talk about Dark episode nine to keep consistency alive. Oh, do we have to? All right, go. I didn't even look. I I didn't look at the results of this at all. Oh, you're in for a treat. Three matches. Uh, Jimmy Havoc defeated Brandon Cutler in seven minutes fifty-five. Uh, another men's singles match. Sean Spears defeated Sonny Kiss in three minutes fifty-nine. And a tag team men's match to see out the evening. Proud and powerful defeated Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt in 13 minutes 26. Uh, that was a commentary team of Excalibur and Nyla Rose. That was dark. If you want to watch it, it's still free on YouTube. Yes, you can watch it. Dark. 
you never have to pay for it. <laughs> there you go. That's the tagline. They can use that <laughs> on their promotion. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Right. Well, brilliant. If you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? They can find me on Twitter at Pitois. They can find me on Instagram. Two accounts on there. One for geeky, nerdy stuff like comics and action figures. That's Pitois 80. And one for my art, which I haven't updated in forever, and I really should, which is Pitois. Uh, and we've got a page on Facebook for the podcast. Look for Double View Wrestling Podcast on there. Give us a follow, like, share, all that Facebooky stuff you like to do. And we will appreciate it. And you can follow me on Twitter at DiabraveSid. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at AEW. So give us a follow, give us a like, a subscribe, an upvote, and tell other wrestling fans about us. Thank you very much. We will be back in a week's time with Dynamite Week 10. 10. 10. Hopefully it'll be a Sean Spears-centric show. Because oh, he is the perfect the 10 gimmick. Or it'll be the first appearance of... 10, yeah. Yeah. We can hope. I don't believe it is, though. No. Sorry to say. No. Preston Vance. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like we had some momentum going into the end, and now we're just yeah. going to say, that's the end. <laughs>